Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally, not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. Last week on Freedom Forum Radio, I interviewed noted author Publius Hulda a retired litigation attorney who now lives in Tennessee. If you miss the interview, it is available as an audio podcast on my website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. Ms. Hulda has written extensively about our Constitution, using the original writings of our framers, the Federalist Papers, and other historical documents, she confirms and validates the intent of the statesmen who wrote the Constitution and the state legislators who ultimately ratified it. In addition to my personal interview, I was also able to record her speech at the Nullify Now Symposium. That speech airs on Freedom Forum Radio starting today. Once again, this is a unique opportunity to hear the thoughts and words of a dynamic defender of the Constitution and the natural law rights that it was written to protect and secure. The regulatory welfare state is immoral and is destructive of the hallowed purpose for which the federal government was created. God never gave us the right to have governments give us an advantage over others to be free of the challenges of life to be protected from the consequences of our own actions, and to have others forced to pay our living expenses and subsidize our vices. So the progressive conception of civil government is morally defective. In order to be the provider of benefits to some, the federal government must violate the God-given property rights of others. It must rob Peter to redistribute to Paul. In order to protect us from the risks and uncertainties of life, including made-up problems such as global warming and... (laughs) 
insurance, lack of medical insurance, it must violate everyone's God-given rights to liberty. Today, the federal government exercises vast powers not delegated in the Constitution, has become an instrument of oppression, injustice, and immorality, and has taken away most of our God-given rights and is conniving to take away our God-given right of self-defense. The federal government was transformed from being the securer of our God-given rights to a weapon used to oppress some of the people for the benefit of other people and to take everyone's liberty away except for those in the ruling class. So what can we do? Does the creature dictate to the creator? Who created Congress? Who created the executive branch? Who created the judicial branch? We did. Does the creature dictate to the creator? The nullification deniers say, yes. They say, every law made by Congress, the legislative branch of the federal government, is supreme. And every executive order issued by the president, and every word in the code of federal regulations, the executive branch of the federal government, is binding. And the member states and we, the people, must obey unless and until five judges on the Supreme Court, the judicial branch of the federal government, say the law or executive order or agency rule is unconstitutional. In other words, only the federal government may question the federal government and no one may question the Supreme Court. They insist that the federal government created by the Constitution is the exclusive and final judge of the extent of its powers and the opinion of five judges is the sole measure of its powers. The nullification deniers repudiate our founding principles. They would return us to the authoritarian governments which plagued Europe for a thousand years, and we in this country would be ruled by five. But our framers said the federal government is merely our creature, and each branch is to obey our will as enshrined in Thomas Jefferson said in the Kentucky Resolutions of 1798, 8th Resolution, and these are among my favorite words, when powers are assumed which have not been delegated, 
a nullification of the act is the rightful remedy, that every state has a natural right in cases not within the compact to nullify of their own authority all assumptions of power by others within their limits, that without this right, they would be under the dominion absolute and unlimited of whosoever might exercise this right of judgment for them. James Madison commented on this in his Notes on Nullification, 1834. The right of nullification meant by Mr. Jefferson is the natural right which all admit to be a remedy against insupportable oppression. Alexander Hamilton said in Federalist Paper number 28, the last five paragraphs, I'm condensing it, quote, if the representatives of the people betray their constituents, then there is no recourse left but in the exertion of that original right of self-defense, which is paramount to all positive forms of government and which, against the usurpations of the national rulers, may be exerted by the state governments which will afford complete security against invasions of the public liberty by the national authority. Our framers told the states to resist unconstitutional acts of the federal government. Our framers saw resistance, nullification, as a natural right, not a constitutional right. Some nullification deniers say states may not nullify anything the federal government does because nullification is not a constitutional right. Well, of course it is not a constitutional right. Rights don't come from the Constitution. Rights come from God. Oh, yeah. As Jefferson, Madison, and Hamilton said, nullification is the natural right of self-defense which predates and pre-exists the Constitution and the federal government. So the natural right of nullification, transcending as it does the Constitution, and being nowhere prohibited by the Constitution to the states, is a reserved power. In Federalist number 45, Madison says, the powers delegated to the federal government are few and defined and all other powers are reserved to the several states. So it is the federal government which is supposed to look to the Constitution for the list of enumerated powers we the people delegated to it. The states don't go to the Constitution to look for permission because they retain all powers they did not exclusively delegate to the federal government.
We have to take a quick commercial break here on Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. More of this speech from Publius Hulda right after this. Or prohibit to themselves in Article 1, Section 10. The nullification deniers pervert our Constitution. They permit the federal government to ignore the limits on its powers as enumerated in the Constitution, but insist the states can't do anything unless the Constitution says they can. What is interposition? A state interposes when it stands between the federal government and the citizens of its state in order to protect them. Interposition takes various forms depending on the circumstances. Hamilton says in Federalist Number 33, if the federal government should overpass the just bounds of its authority and make a tyrannical use of its powers, the people whose creature it is must appeal to the standard they have formed and take such measures to address the injury done to the Constitution as the exigency may suggest and prudence justify. Did you hear what Hamilton said? When the federal government usurps powers, we are the judge as to whether there is a violation, and we decide what we are going to do about it. Nullification is one form of interposition. Now listen carefully because what I'm about to say is so difficult to understand that none of the deniers get it. Our framers saw that before nullification is proper, the act of the government must be unconstitutional, a usurpation of a power not delegated, or a violation of the Constitution. Matthew Spaulding at Heritage Foundation and David Barton don't get this one. Before nullification is possible, the act must give an order the states or the people can refuse to obey or otherwise obstruct or sabotage. Randy Barnett and Robert Levy of the Cato Institute don't get this one. Here are examples where refusal to obey an unconstitutional law or opinion is both proper and possible. Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King nullified the Jim Crow laws. These required black people to sit in the back of the bus, they couldn't eat in public places, use public restrooms, water fountains, and park benches. Using non-violent civil disobedience, Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King led black people to refuse to obey these, these state laws or municipal ordinances which were unconstitutional under Section 1 of the 14th Amendment. This is how brave citizens nullify unconstitutional laws. They say, we won't comply. Yeah. 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 Prayer in the public schools. 
The Constitution does not delegate to the federal government power to ban Christianity. But in 1962, the Supreme Court started ordering the states to stop the praying and remove the Ten Commandments. Since these orders were usurpations of powers not lawfully possessed by the federal government, the states should have nullified them by directing their schools to ignore them. Disarming the American people. If Congress by law, or the President by executive order, or the BATF by rule, or the Supreme Court by opinion, or the federal government by UN treaty, orders the people to turn in our arms, we must refuse to comply. We will! the federal government to disarm us. So the states and the people must nullify such law or order or rule or opinion or treaty by refusing <coughs> to obey. All nullification requires is a spine. where other ways of resistance than direct disobedience were appropriate. The Kentucky and Virginia resolutions of 1798 objected to the Alien and Sedition Acts, which purported to grant to the president dictatorial powers over aliens and seditious words. The states could not refuse to obey the acts because they were directed to the powers of the president. So the resolutions showed these acts to be unconstitutional and asked other states to cooperate in taking whatever measures needed to be taken to defend the Constitution, the states, and the people. During 1799-1800, Madison, who wrote the Virginia Resolutions, presented his report on the Virginia Resolutions to the Virginia legislature. In this report, Madison said, under his discussion of the third resolution, which is the heart of the eight resolutions, and I'm condensing what he said, the states in their sovereign capacity are the parties to the constitutional compact and are thus the final authority on whether the federal government has violated the Constitution. There can be no tribunal above the authority of the states to decide. When the federal government usurps powers, the states don't stop the usurpation and thereby preserve the Constitution, there would be no relief from usurped power. This would subvert the rights of the people as well as betray the fundamental principle of our founding. 
that when the federal government acts outside the Constitution by usurping powers, then the sovereign states, who are the parties to the Constitution, must appeal to that original, natural right of self-defense. That the judicial branch is as likely to usurp as are the other two branches. Thus, the sovereign states have as much right to judge the usurpations of the judicial branch as they do the legislative and executive branches. And that concludes this week's edition of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Tune in next week for the rest of this speech from Publius Hulda. I get joy in everything.